Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. Like so many other churches and houses of worship across the world, we've decided to take our weekly service online to comply with various social distancing efforts and stay-at-home orders in light of the recent coronavirus pandemic. Our stream goes live every Sunday at 10 a.m. Be sure to check it out on our website at cascadevineyard.org stream or on Facebook at Cascade Vineyard Church. We'd love to have you join us online. Enjoy this message. things uh, up front just want to remind you one is that I uh, uh, really do appreciate you guys continuing to give throughout our time of separation like this and so all the normal means that you use whether you do mail-in or uh, direct deposit or whatever we really really do appreciate that we've been able to keep up with our bills throughout the quarantine and our separation so that is highly appreciated second thing I did want to mention is that our school supply drive is underway right now so the distribution date for that is August 27th, which is just about a week away, I think, uh, maybe a week and a half. So uh, if you would like to help with that, we would really, really appreciate. You can do a couple things. One is you can, if you're out shopping and you see school supplies on sale, you can buy those and then drop them off at the church office on Thursdays or contact MSA McConnell directly and, and make arrangements for her to get them from you. If you if it's easier for you not to do that and you want to just write a check or give, you can do that with the way you do your normal donations. Just add that or make a memo or whatever, and we'd be happy. MSA uh, will shop for you. Third thing I, I wanted to mention, this is, uh, I got two big announcements, big announcements. Uh, one, one is that uh, the first single, No More Separation, from our worship team was released Friday. So that's out. It's available. You can hear it right now. Uh, if you want to support the worship team, if you buy it on iTunes, that helps them recoup some of their costs for the recording. Uh, but it's also available on Spotify or wherever else you stream music. So mainly just want you to hear that and listen to that and check it out. So uh, I'm really, really excited uh, about that and proud of our guys for, for uh, putting that together. So you want to make sure you look at that. Last thing, and this is, I, I, don't, I, I don't have a definitive time frame as of yet, but I do know that we have been approved by Christ the King to resume meeting again. So I don't have a date, but I'm, I'm expecting that to be sometime over the next few weeks that we will be able to get back together uh, for corporate worship. Uh, what, it's going to be different than it was. I can tell you that. Things will look differently. There will be a lot of changes in how we meet uh, and so on and so forth. But keep your eyes open, uh, again, through our weekly newsletter, which comes over email, our website, our Instagram feed, and then here on Sundays, and we will update you. But uh, we have uh, been approved by the Christ the King Council to resume meeting uh, here in our space sometime uh, in the near future. So that's that's really exciting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to being able to be together with you guys, even if, uh, even if we have to wear masks and do all that. I just uh, look forward to worshiping together with you. Uh, so this morning, you know, uh, by now, I think we've all seen the memes and heard the jokes about 2020 and, you know, what just a crazy and, and frankly frustrating and challenging year it's been. But I'm going to say this. I believe, and, and I don't think I'm alone in this. I've heard other voices say similar things that God's really up to something, uh, I think there's going to be something come from what we've been through this last year that's going to be good in the end. 
Um, I really do believe the church is going to be strengthened by this, that the church is going to regain its footing and hopefully uh, reemerge as sort of the light and life of the community that it's supposed to be. I really believe that not, not our church specifically, but the church in general had kind of grown a little internal and wasn't really uh, fulfilling, I think, some of the calling that God has on us. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that that's going to happen as we move beyond 2020 into next year and the years beyond, that, that something good is going to come out of what we've been through. So, so with that, we've been talking about hope. And how, how many weeks can you preach about hope? I don't know. But we're going to do at least one more today. I, I, I want to continue talking about hope. We have said before, hope, uh, by definition, is a confident expectation of a preferable future. Confident expectation of a preferable future. It's looking forward in time to, with, with expectation to God uh, doing something positive on behalf of, of his people and on behalf of the world. Uh, so, so with that in mind, we're going to look at uh, Isaiah chapter 9 today, just a couple verses, and really continue with the, uh, the concept and the idea of hope. So let's, let's pray, and then uh, we'll, we'll look at the text together. Jesus, thanks so much. Uh, you're such a good God. And as we said last week, you're good all the time, even when, when everything else isn't good. Um, we're so thankful and so grateful that we have you to look to, to worship, and to, and to walk through these times with. I personally cannot imagine uh, the lives of those people that have to walk through times like this without you. Uh, they would be, it would seem to be uh, easy to be overcome by fear and concern and doubt and worry. And, and yet we have... Uh, hope in you, and we have the opportunity to hold fast to you and for you to carry us through uh, even these challenging circumstances. Uh, so we just uh, lift that up to you today. We ask you to open your word that it would just uh, enrich our lives, strengthen our hearts, uh, and water our souls. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, Isaiah 9, uh, as I said, two verses, verses 6 and 7. Uh, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. So that's a text that uh, we normally read around Christmas time, because it's about the birth of Jesus, but really it's more than that. It's about the life, the ministry of Jesus, and about his kingdom. Uh, I, and, and I believe personally that it has something to say, something to speak into our current situation today. Um, I think it's, it's probably one of the most hope-filled passages in scripture, because it really encapsulates the kingdom of God who Jesus is and, and what he's about, what, what he's for. Um, again, as uh, similar to Jeremiah, as with Jeremiah, Isaiah was written uh, 700, 800 years roughly before the life of Jesus. Uh, that's a long time. And certainly during you know, those, those centuries, those years, there were times when the people of God thought, okay, we, we have this prophetic word that the Messiah is going to come, that this person is going to come. When, when is that going to happen? And, and I, I'm, 
I'm certain, just knowing human nature, that there was times in there when they thought, they probably lost hope, thought maybe maybe Isaiah missed it, maybe he got that one wrong, and, and it's, it's not going to happen. That's really a long time uh, to wait. There were, with, without a doubt, some dark days in between the prophetic uh, word of Isaiah and the arrival of Jesus. So with that as kind of background context, I want, I want to look at, uh, at hope in light of our current situation and circumstances because, well, let's be honest, um, things aren't looking great right now. You know, we're still in the midst of this global pandemic, uh, which which really is is just challenging. And, and, and look, you know, it's 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 weird because there's some people think it's a hoax and other people refuse to wear masks and other people are just living in fear. And but but here's the reality is that no one likes this. Regardless of where you sit and what you think and how you respond, no one likes it. It's not that fun. In addition to that, we're, we're still in a place, I, I think it was today or, or yesterday, it would have been 80 or 81 days of uh, continuing protests in downtown Portland uh, over racial injustice. And uh, again, those are that's a, another challenging reality to the life we're living in right now. To add to that, and this is something I want us to focus on a little bit today. Uh, we're in the midst of an election cycle. And I don't know about you guys, but uh, I get weary during an election cycle. And it doesn't matter you know, which side of the aisle you're on, if you're conservative, liberal, whatever. It doesn't matter. The, the truth is we're inundated with information with commercials with infomercials with debates it just it goes on and on and on and on and just sometimes i don't know about you i just want it to be over just please just make it make it go away let this be done it's just tiring you know um one, one of the things i've realized not just in in this current election but over the course of life is that uh, political candidates are really they're all selling hope they are you know uh and, and on one level, you can't slight them for that. That's their job, right? Um, people need hope, and they try to sell it. You know, trust me. That's that's the, the trust me. I know the problems, and I know how to fix them. That's what all politicians are saying. Trust me. I I know what the problems are, and I can fix them. Vote for me, and I'll take care of this. And regardless, they they might think. One thinks the answer to the problem are one thing, and the other thinks the answer is another thing, but they all think they have the answer. And that's a challenge. Um, th that, that appeals to the lack of hope that people feel or the relative hopelessness uh, at any given time. Another, you know, to me, a kind of a discouraging part of that whole process is that uh, it often deteriorates into this kind of mean-spirited sort of name-calling game, uh, which is really less focused on the issues uh, and more focused on making your opponent look bad. That's really what it comes down to so very often. Um, and that's happening in the current election. And, and, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. We might think, uh, you know, that's an indication of the sign of the times we live in, but the truth is that that's nothing new, that throughout history, that's really been the way that 
politics works. There's a really interesting book came out just about four or five years ago by a guy named Joseph Cummins. The book is called Anything for a Vote. And he chronicles sort of the history of American politics and what politicians have done uh, to one another to try to get people to vote for them. Uh, you, you know, and it's just, it's, it's funny on one level, but it's not that funny. Um, some of us, you know, you grow up and you, and you learn history in school and you have this image of the founding fathers of America and there are these Christian gentlemen and they have this unified vision for America to be this great unified Christian nation. Wrong. That, that's not the case. There, was, there has been significant division all along. Uh, there's been backbiting, name calling, all that stuff. None of that is new. Uh, in the book, he chronicles a few things. Uh, one, uh, Thomas Jefferson uh, was a Republican. Uh, Republicans wanted at that time, it's a little, little different than now, but th they wanted uh, minimal national authority. Jefferson may or may not have said, he's been quoted as saying, and then other people say he didn't say that, but his, his sort of, even if he didn't say this, it was what he believed, and that is the government that governs best, the government governs best that governs least. Uh, the least amount of government is the best. So in, in that regard, the early Republican Party would have been close to the like Libertarian Party of today. Um, Alexander Hamilton was his opposition, was a Federalist. He was in favor of a big government, strong government, strong military power, economic dominance. Uh, you know, so guess what? They didn't get along very well. They didn't like each other. One newspaper article written in the 1790s said that they got about, along about as well as Britain and France. And Britain and France were at war at the time. Um, it wasn't uncommon uh, back then for fistfights to break out at conventions. Uh, I don't know if we see that today or not. I, I haven't been to a convention, but that would happen. And, and of course, and, and here's the thing, sometimes disputes were settled with duels. Uh, most famously, I, I suppose, between Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr. Uh, so, so get the Alexander Hamilton is the, the guy on our $10 bill, right? And um, in 1804, Hamilton was the uh, former Secretary of the Treasury. Burr, Aaron Burr, was the sitting vice president at the time. And they faced off in a duel and shot pistols at each other because they, didn't, they, they disagreed. That's what they did, uh, which I don't think we're seeing that happening today. Um, you know, Burr, uh, Hamilton missed, he's a bad shot. Burr hit him and Hamilton died the next day. So, you know, welcome to American politics. The guy that's on our $10 bill was killed in a duel over an argument with a fellow politician. Um, our current race right now has sort of devolved into this nasty kind of mean-spirited name-calling thing. But again, that's nothing new. That's the way it works. Uh, 1800, Thomas Jefferson again, paid reporters to spread rumors that John Quincy Adams was a hermaphrodite. That's, that's legit. 1836, Davy Crockett, American hero, you know, Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. Davy Crockett started rumors that Martin Van Buren was a crossdresser. 1855, James Buchanan, Buchanan had had an injury as a child. He, he, he suffered from a stiff neck. He couldn't move his head, so he's kind of locked in one position. But the, the opposition party to him started rumors that that was a result of him having tried to commit suicide by hanging himself, uh, which, because he was mentally unstable, which was 
blatantly untrue. Uh, in 1880, the race between Garfield and Hancock, uh, Republicans bribed thousands of Democrats to vote Republican illegally. And it worked because Garfield won, uh, but it ended up not being such a great deal for him because a few months after he won, he was assassinated. Uh, that shows you what that gets you. Of course, um, sex scandals are nothing new. Thomas Jefferson was accused of having had multiple children uh, via relationship with one of his slaves, which, interestingly enough, in 1999, almost 200 years later, was proven to be true by DNA evidence. Hamilton also had an affair with a married woman uh, that he, he paid hush money to her husband to keep quiet. So it's like a episode of Law and Order or something, you know, happening in, in American politics. James Buchanan was rumored to have been gay and moved his friend uh, into the White House secretly and had him living in a separate quarters in the White House. Uh, some of us that have been around for a while, we've lived through the affairs and scandals of JFK, LBJ, uh, William Jefferson Clinton, and then, of course, our current president. So none of that is anything new. And the scripture tells us that. Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon says, there's nothing new under the sun. And it's really true. All this has existed throughout time. Same rhetoric, same speeches, same behavior. And, and at the end of the day, as politicians are trying to sell, sell hope, what happens is uh, that kind of thing undermines hope and people lose hope. I don't want to be unfair here. Uh, you know, I'm talking about American politics because we live here, but this is not a uniquely American problem. This is this exists uh, historically, uh, globally, worldwide. His, his, history is uh, a wave of the rise and fall of empires. At the time of the New Testament writing, Rome was ruling over Israel, and they believed that they were the eternal empire. Uh, they also believed that they had God's blessing in that, and the Roman Empire lasted roughly 500 years. Uh, the Ottoman Empire was run by Muslims, and it was, at the time, the most advanced civilization ever in terms of advancements in science, education, health. They thought, also, they had Allah, their God, on their side. Their empire lasted 623 years. Uh, we look at Ethiopia today, uh, and we don't think of it as an empire, but there was a time when there, the Ethiopian Empire had amassed one of the most powerful armies in the world, and th that empire lasted 600 years. Uh, the Khmer Empire in Cambodia, some of you will remember even in the 70s, the Khmer Rouge, uh, that empire lasted 690 years. Russian Revolution of 1916 and 17, 10 to 15 million people were killed. During the communist reign uh, under Lenin and Marx, millions and millions of other people were killed. And they too thought that they had a form of government that would last forever, that communism would rule the world forever, that capitalism was the root of all evil. And of course their uh, empire only lasted 70 years. So you might be seeing a pattern here. Uh, there, there are sociologists who would say, who are saying, that America is already in decline and that our time too will come. But here's the reality, that all empires come to an end. All empires come to an end. The consistent thread throughout is, is this. They were all established by violence 
and, and they, they were all ended by violence. They all, every empire, every world empire ever, proved Jesus to be true because Jesus said, if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. And when a government or an empire is established through violence, it'll end in violence. Uh, the, the truth is, you know, in reality, our nation was founded in violence, and eventually it will fade as well. So if your hope, <laughs> I mean, you get to the point, if your hope is in America and America being great and America being great again and anything like that, the reality is it's a false hope. And again, I'm not claiming that to be true of any one party or affiliate or candidate. That's just the reality in, in general. That's a false hope. Isaiah 9, chapter, uh, chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 again. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The kingdom of God is not established by violence and it can't be toppled by violence. It's, it's not established by defeating your enemies. It's established by loving your enemies. It's not established by dominating over with power. It's established by coming under with humility and service. That's how the kingdom of God works. It rests on his shoulders, not on the shoulders of any name-calling, enemy-killing politician. And it never ends. It endures forever. All the rulers of the world will try to sell us hope, but the truth is only Jesus has hope, and he gives it away for free. So where does that leave us today? Do we give up? Uh, do we throw in the towel and do nothing? No, I would say this. We put our hope in him. Our hope is in him, and he, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same in social, racial, political unrest. He's the same in the midst of a global pandemic. He's the same in an election cycle. He never changes, and we leverage the hope we have in him. We become heralds of hope, dispensers of hope, voices of hope to the community around us. We serve others. We love others. We transform the world around us one person at a time. I, uh, I'll just share a brief little story with you earlier this week. Uh, during our food pantry, there was a young woman who was uh, came to see us for the first time. She's from Argentina, recently immigrated here. Half of her family is here in the States. Half is still in Argentina. Um, that alone is just uh, challenging if you can imagine being separated and not be able to be with your family. Um, one of the gals, you know, met her in the in the entry area, and she was just crying. And she brought her into me and said, "Hey, can you talk to her for a minute?" We sat down and talked, and I had a chance just to pray with her and just to speak words of life and truth and thank her for being here. And it was just a, a blessing to be able to make a difference in that person's life, to be able to instill some level of hope, uh, just to say, "Hey." I don't have all the answers, but I understand what you're going through, and I, I, I get that it's not easy, and let me pray for you. And that's really what God's called us to be about, to, to be heralds of hope, to be dispensers of hope, to be able to breathe life into one person at a time. We, we can't change the whole world, but we can change the life of somebody today and somebody tomorrow, and that's how it works. 
Look, when the kingdom of God comes in its fullness, we won't have a food bank. There won't be any hungry people. But until then, we'll feed whoever we can. When the kingdom of God comes in its fullness, there won't be any homelessness. But until then, we care for those that we can. When the kingdom of God comes in its fullness, there won't be any sickness. But until then, we pray for those we can. We care for those we can. There won't be any racism. There won't be any gender inequality. There won't be any violence. But until then, we, we love like Jesus, we live like Jesus, and we do what we can to affect the lives of those around us and to, to speak hope and truth into the hearts of those that are lonely, that are lost, that are empty, that are broken, that are forgotten, and that are in pain, that are afraid, that are uncertain, that are walking in doubt. So God bless you guys. Have a great week. I hope to have uh, more information for you uh, real, real, real soon. And look forward to being back together with all of you again uh, here in the very near future. God bless you. Have a great, great week. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give. We'll see you all online next week.